For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that. And I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hey everyone, Gil Gross here. Post-match, Novak Djokovic versus Rafael Nadal, Roland Garros 2022 quarterfinal. If you're not here for spoilers, click off the video in 3, 2, 1. Rafael Nadal has once again planted a stake on court Philippe Chatrier and avoids back-to-back losses to Djokovic at Roland Garros, moves on to the semis, makes the head-to-head overall 30-29, to and at the French, it is now uh, 8-2. to It takes four sets. It takes well over four hours. It was a match where they showed uh, a pretty superhuman level for two sets, and then uh, I just don't think they had the energy to continue uh, with the level that they that they had for two sets, even though... Uh, the first set was won pretty easily by Nadal. It was still just like the last two occasions, uh, pretty awesome level. Uh, Djokovic made a push in the second. Nadal won the third. Djokovic served for the fourth. Nadal broke him at 5-3, came all the way back, and won the fourth set in a tie break. Did it pretty convincingly in the breaker. Did lose a bunch of match points. Probably gave every Nadal fan an absolute heart attack, uh, but closed it out 7-4. Let's get into it. Let's start with the key tactics of this match. Um, And going back to kind of um, some of the themes that I talked about on Monday Match Analysis. So first of all, uh, we'll talk about forehand effectiveness, but let's throw that aside for a second. And let's talk about getting the desired attacking forehands. Because a lot of this matchup on clay is about that. Nadal wants forehands in the middle of the court to attack. Djokovic wants the same thing. So who is going to get it? That depends on two things. First, you have the serve return dynamic, and then you have the baseline dynamics, the patterns in the baseline rallies. Uh, Let's start with the baseline patterns. Last year, Djokovic with his forehand cross-court, sharp angle, sideline breaking, um, dictated with his forehand. He dictated with his forehand by 
shoving Nadal into his backhand corner, making him hit uncomfortable open stance on the run backhands off the court and controlling and dictating from there. Nadal did not want that to happen again, so here's what he did. Uh, he did everything in his power to not give Djokovic neutral forehands from the deuce side of the court. And what does that mean? That means when the ball was on Nadal's backhand, he doesn't want to go cross court. And in the first set especially, and the first set is always the most tactical set. The game plan is fresh in both players' minds, and you really see what they're trying to do. Nadal, down the line, middle, down the line, down the line, middle, down the line. Is The backhand's not going cross-court. And when the backhand does go cross-court, it is hard and heavy. Uh, it's not a neutral ball that Djokovic is going to be able to do whatever he wants with. Uh, he's going to have to defend. So... Um, by doing that right away, as soon as possible. And by the way, once Nadal is pulled out wide, if he tries to go down the line, it's too late. He's off the court, and Djokovic has an opening to dictate uh, on his backhand. He did it right away and never let that angle on the deuce side kind of open up and give Djokovic those neutral forehands. Uh, with that being said, when Nadal did get an attackable forehand, which he achieved by going to the Djokovic backhand as much as possible, avoiding that forehand. Uh, then Nadal was being very aggressive with his forehand, um, especially his forehand down the line, which has been a key in this matchup since about 2018 um, at, at Wimbledon, I would say. And uh, Nadal was very opportune in that sense. So uh, now what did happen is Djokovic figured out the same thing. In the second set, Djokovic was like, oh yeah, um, so I'm not getting enough forehands so I'm going to do the same thing, and I'm going to hit my backhand down the line a ton. And then Djokovic got a lot of forehands. I felt like Novak, and we'll get into the reasons why in a, in a moment, I felt like Novak kind of lost the plot on that. And uh, I thought in the second set, he did really well just keeping the ball on Nadal's backhand. He did a lot worse in that, in that respect um, in the third and fourth set where I thought he took his backhand cross-court too often. And this is a pattern that is okay for Djokovic on all quick surfaces. On grass, it's okay. In Australia, it's okay. In New York, it's probably okay. Uh, but at the French, Nadal is able to um, withstand Djokovic's uh, cross-court backhand, and he's able to, more often than not, do damage with the forehand down the line if Novak gets comfortable in that cross-court pattern. So I, I thought... Um, Nadal in the baseline patterns was more stubborn, taking his backhand down the line where Djokovic wasn't. And as a result, Nadal got himself the forehands that he wanted. Djokovic didn't. Now, on the serve, this was big. In 2021, Djokovic was able to hit his backhand return into Nadal's backhand. And it's something that has been very difficult for Djokovic to execute on a regular basis against Nadal on clay. Uh, what did we see this year? Back to regular scheduled programming. I thought that there were a couple games. Start of the fourth set, Djokovic had one game where every return kind of got to the Nadal backhand and he broke serve. Uh, in the second set, once again, his return, Djokovic's return was dominant, but there was a reason for that. And one of the reasons for that was Nadal actually curiously changed his serve strategy and started serving to Djokovic's forehand. And then it's easier for Djokovic to just hit the forehand cross-court or inside-in to Nadal's backhand. 
But besides the second set, Nadal was going about 70% to the Djokovic backhand, which is what he usually does in the matchup. And now you're asking Djokovic to hit a very difficult return. You're asking him to go inside out on the backhand, which requires perfect timing. Or you're requiring him to go down the line on the backhand, which also requires perfect timing. And as a result, um, you get more misses from Djokovic going for the more difficult return. And Nadal gets service winners. And uh, in a lot of cases, Djokovic was unable to time that return. And Nadal was getting first ball forehands, especially in all of the sets that he won. Um, Not in the beginning of the fourth set, but then at the end of the fourth set, Serve plus forehand, serve plus forehand, serve plus forehand for Nadal. Djokovic doesn't want that. Djokovic wants Nadal to hit a serve plus backhand, and now he's in the point. Wasn't happening in this match when Nadal was having success. Another part of that was first serve percentage. In um, in 2020, in, sorry, 2021 rather, uh, Djokovic was really punishing the... Nadal's second serve, and let me just look up real quick what uh, what the first serve percentage was. But in this match, Nadal first serve percentage seventy one percent. So you know if Djokovic is in a position, and this is often going to be the case, uh, where okay, second serve that is slow enough that I can hit that backhand to backhand return. First serve not so much, too hard. Let's say that is the predicament. Well, Nadal basically says, okay, no second serves for you in that case. Um, So, okay, Nadal was 5% uh, or what, 4% better. In 2021, Nadal's first serve percentage was 65. And, okay, in this one, it's 71%. So 6% improvement there, but 71% is just absolutely excellent. And uh, that was, I don't think Nadal had like a, crazy, you know, lucky serving day. I thought that that was understanding. I'm not going to go for the line. It doesn't need to be perfect. I'm not trying to hit an ace. Um, I'm not trying to paint, you know, I don't need to go too close to the line. I already have Djokovic going for a difficult return of serve. So I'll get the misses that I need. And I'm just going to trust that Novak can't make that backhand to backhand return. He definitely wasn't able to make it enough in this match. And as a result... Nadal gets forehands. Um, Djokovic had some plus one success as well, uh, especially in the in the fourth set. But um, he was not able to make that backhand to backhand return that he did in twenty twenty one. That was a that was a huge key. Now let's talk about um, forehand effectiveness, and I would say really just ground stroke aggression. Let's talk about ground stroke aggression. And the conditions come into play here. I still think Nadal is wrong about the conditions. Now, he's not wrong when he says, I like playing in the day, which is what he's been saying. So he's right. But I think um, I think he's wrong if he thinks that against Djokovic, slow and heavy conditions don't help him. I thought Nadal had no problem hitting through these conditions. Djokovic, I can't say the same. Now, he had one exceptional set where I thought his his baseline patterns improved that where he was setting up his forehand uh, 
a lot better and he was more patient waiting for the best opportunity to attack and he upped his forehand speed massively in the second set and he had an incredible set off the ground when it comes to being aggressive but in the third set he made too many unforced errors a lot of unforced errors and then in the fourth set he struggled to finish especially if you look at you know just the end of the fourth set how many points he lost from attacking positions and think about it if you watch the match how many times did we see Nadal from winning positions forehand in the middle of the court forehand to attack and Djokovic turns the point around wins the point I don't think we saw a lot of that but by the end of the fourth set this was happening repeatedly to Novak Djokovic and let's highlight two set points he had 5-3 serving for the fourth set 40-30 set point Novak to send it to a fifth he has a backhand um, right in the strike zone that he takes cross court looking to build and he misses it in in the in the net tape add in another set point he has a backhand approach shot he's got open court hits it a little cagey too central Nadal backhand down the line pass was that the nerves was that the moment yeah probably but I just have to point out two two opportunities to build to attack and Djokovic on the backhand in this case can't get it done from a winning position now let's go to uh, 5-6. I mentioned Djokovic struggling to make the returns to the Nadal backhand, right? At 5-6, he does it twice in a row. He does it at love all, but he gets countered. Uh, Djokovic hits a forehand down the line, attacking, and Nadal gets there and counters him forehand down the line, winner. 15 love. Second, uh, same thing again. Good return by Djokovic to the backhand. He gets the forehand he wants as a result. Forehand down the line gets countered cross court this time. I'm talking Djokovic trying to create offense. Nadal taking advantage of the pace and the court position where Djokovic is trying to be offensive. So lots of pace, no time to recover. And um, inside the baseline, out of position to defend. But if Nadal... Guess is right, and this was a huge thing in 2020 when they played. Huge thing. I broke it down in depth on Monday Match Analysis. Um, if Nadal guesses right and has his forehand and is on balance, he can then take advantage of the pace and the court position, and he can counterattack, which he did twice in a row. 30-love lead forces the tiebreak. Now we go to 2-love. Uh, Djokovic is down a mini-break already. Attackable forehand goes inside out, gets countered again down the line, forehand down the line. Uh, first of all, I don't know why Djokovic is going to the forehand so much. I don't, I, I just thought in the second set, he was diligent. You go to the backhand, you go to the backhand over and over and over again until you have a great chance to attack. He, he didn't do that. He was not afraid enough of the forehand um, for, for some reason. And I think that's because he got tired. More on that in a moment. Then at 1-3, first ball, forehand, unforced error. Flat, low margin, lots of miles per hour, but hit it long. Uh, trying to attack. Just felt like an overpress. 
just didn't seem to happen to uh, to Nadal much in this match. So uh, that's it. I'm not going to talk about any more points, but uh, to me, Nadal, end of the fourth set. Sorry, Djokovic, end of the fourth set. Trouble finishing. Third set, lots of errors. Only in the second set did he really have a an easy time hitting through these conditions where I thought Nadal was... Uh, he was fine throughout when it came to... Now, Now he had, I guess... Um, yeah, I mean, his serve got bullied a little bit at times, but there was never a moment where I felt, oh, Nadal has attacking forehands and he's not cashing in, he's not winning the point. I felt like he was winning the point, and for Djokovic, it just wasn't that simple. So it goes back to um, to slow conditions and high-margin baseline power. Nadal has the edge there, and that always matters on clay. Cold temperature clay, it matters even more. Um, I want to end on this. The endurance factor. Nadal looked fresher to me. Nadal looked fresher to me in the fourth set. And uh, I thought that that, look, with the intensity that these two played with in the first set and the second set, it was through the moon. It was, that's not even a phrase, through the roof, I should say. Um, there was no way that they could do that. Maybe in 2012, they could do that for six hours. I, they can't do that anymore. So someone was going to get tired. I don't think it was Nadal. Even on the heels of the four-plus-hour match against Felix, five-setter, Djokovic spending about two less hours in total on court coming in. And once again, Nadal shows that if it's not, you know, it— Look, in 2022, Nadal has been, has uh, broken down in matches physically, but not when it comes to endurance. It's more been pain tolerance, injury, uh, not endurance. In Australia, I had questions about the endurance. I think a lot of people did. Uh, physically, after the Shapovalov match and going into a match against Medvedev, we know how physical those matches get with a, a weird lead-up for Nadal having not played much in the last six months. There were questions physically. And guess what? He was the fresher player against Daniil Medvedev. In this case, I thought he was the fresher player again. You know, that that's what my eye test said. I thought he had more legs. He was more willing to work the point. His tactics were more uh, consistent with what he was able to do in the beginning of the match, in the first and the second set. I thought Djokovic got more impatient. He was less willing to work the point through the Nadal backhand. And uh, if you look at rallies, five shots or more, Djokovic was plus seven in set two. In sets three and four, Nadal was plus 14. So to me in the fourth set, Djokovic, excellent serving, excellent early forehand aggression. Until the very end. Excellent early forehand aggression. Not winning any rallies. Almost won the set without that by dominating the serve return dynamic. Almost won the fourth set with dominant serve return dynamic. But couldn't quite do it. And um, I really think that Nadal's endurance continues to astound. I'm really impressed by it. Because uh, it's been excellent uh, here in 2022. Overall, um, I don't have huge takeaways for Djokovic. It was just kind of a regression to what has happened, I think, on a couple of occasions in this matchup at Roland Garros. 
he couldn't repeat what he did in uh in 2021 and uh now it's um we'll see what happens with Nadal as well because he's got six more sets to win and that is a really weird place to be incredible effort against Felix tremendous effort against Novak four plus hours on both occasions and now you have six more sets to win that is a challenge mentally that I have no doubt Nadal will be up for. It is a challenge physically that I think he'll be up for. I really do. Uh, but obviously, it's not going to be easy, regardless of the opponents. Regardless of the opponents. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.